Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we've got a great show today. We're going to be talking about navigating through personal tragedies, because we know a lot of you out there have had a loss recently, and you're wondering how you're going to get through. So we've got some great thoughts and advice for you today. You want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure, I would love to. And like you said, we're going to be talking about navigating through personal tragedies. Our guest is no stranger to, to loss. Uh, his name is Johnny Serpilla, and he actually lost his triplets shortly after they were born. He's a passionate storyteller, motivational speaker, and entrepreneur. He is the former president of Camping World and Good Sam. And he has he's a number one best-selling author of the book, Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay. I love that name, Johnny. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much to both of you for having me. Really excited to talk to you. It's great to have you on the show today. And I, I know that you have got so much history. It's been 28 years since the triplets died. Do you want to just give us a little background about the triplets? Absolutely. So for us, our journey to build a family was really difficult. So we had unexplained infertility. So after several years of trying, uh, we, we did IVF and, and we, as we saw it, we won the lottery. Um, we were pregnant with triplets uh, and could not be more excited. There was no fear. There was no, how are we going to handle this? Can we do this? Uh, we were just ready. And we defined our success because our careers were going so well. We've had, had an amazing relationship and 32 years later, we still do. Um, but really define success as having a family. And we were failing at that and then becoming pregnant with triplets. So when Nicholas, Mary and Peter were born, um, our lives changed uh, for the better and worse in, in some cases, uh, depending how we looked at it. And, and that's what I'm happy to talk about is how we chose to view it so that we really could move forward after they died. I was wondering, was getting back to work helpful? You know, it it was because we took some time to travel after the funeral. And what we realized is that everywhere we went, our problem was in that state or in that city. It followed us, right? And so we, we did, after a few weeks, went back to work. Um, she, of course, had longer. She had her maternity leave, but she was still able to take. But... You know, the challenge then came each day getting out of bed um, because and then grieving together, um, much like I'm sure that your family experienced that we can grieve at different paces and different times. And one of the challenges that we had was probably spending too much time at the cemetery and making deals, you know, not to keep going back because we're back at work now. And so we're going to move forward. And then inevitably, I'd be on my way home from work and just had to stop to be six feet away from them and lay on the ground and, and I'd get there and Susan was already there. Well, Johnny, I have to ask you something because you had triplets that you were mourning. Did you grieve them separately or did you grieve them as a unit? 
Wow, that is an amazing question that in 28 years, I've not been asked that. Um, and my, my, my answer is going to vary here, so bear with me. Um, initially, it was um, grieving them as a unit because, um, you know, they, they were born and died at the same time. And so we were a family of five. We're truly the happiest people in that hospital uh, for the time that they were alive, um, really feeling carried through that experience in a, in a really beautiful way. Um, it was over time that it started to individualize to them of feeling the, a different loss for each of them. Because ironically, they were born uh, Nicholas, then married and Peter, so boy, girl, boy. And then we went up on to adopt a son and then surprisingly had a daughter and another son. So then we were raising boy, girl, boy. Wow. And our son, Nicholas, had a chubbier face than his brother, Peter. And our son, Bo, the oldest, uh, resembled um, him at birth. We got Bo at a day old and very much the same. Mary died. She died falling asleep with her hand under her chin. And Bella still sleeps to this day in that position. And so as a little girl, when Bella would sleep and she'd sleep like that, I'd look at her and she and Mary looked very much alike. So then I started grieving Mary differently because I'd see her now sleeping that way. And through Bella's confirmation in the Catholic church, she took on Mary's name as her confirmation name. And then our son Stone is our youngest. He looked exactly like Peter. And, you know, it was interesting. The, the nuns at my grandparents' nursing home, when we brought Stone in to, to meet my grandparents, they said, oh, Stone, I love that name. You named him after his brother Peter, the rock of the church, uh, wow. Stone. And we hadn't thought of that. Uh. And so then it started to really individualize um, over time. And, and I saw each of Nicholas, Mary, and Peter in Bo, Bella, and Stone. Wow. That's interesting how you deal with grief through the years. You know, over that time, it's been 28 years since they were born. Bo, Bella, and Stone are 27, 25, and 23. And it was important for us, maybe much like you, but your daughters knew your son uh, to keep him part of the memory. For us, it was a different order because since they died before our kids were born, it was how do you introduce your kids to their older siblings mm -hmm. and so that they feel a connection to them. So we had to work to find those connecting points because um, especially as time went on, we felt that Nicholas, Mary and Peter's life was of such significance. It changed me professionally for sure. Um, personally, it, it, I would, I think I was already leaning towards being all in on being a dad, but it just pushed me even more to just realize the incredible gift that it was. Um, and then the same as a husband. So how did you know, it there, change you professionally? Um, I, I wrote one chapter in the book about it because, um, what I realized is I was, I was in my twenties, my late twenties when they were born at 28, and I am embarrassed to say that I times was known to say, because I took work so seriously that in, in a family business that I needed my employees to leave their personal problems at home 
and be fully ready when they come into work to be engaged and focused and taking care of our customers and giving them the best possible service. And until I had a personal problem at home with the death of our children, I didn't realize how difficult it is to leave that at home. And so while yes, professionally, we have to commit ourselves professionally at work, but there is a heavy burden that you carry with you. So I realized doctors, that I had to change the culture in my company that is one that is uplifting, one that creates security rather than insecurity, and one that creates them in the best possible mindset to in turn return home at the end of a long workday, best serve to lift their family up, creating a positive home life experience where then more naturally they can follow that cycle and come into work rested and energized for the next day. I think Johnny did have a, twins that were miscarried. Am I right? Correct. Were the twins full term? No, no, no. The twins were um, a, a miscarriage, one at um, maybe uh, nine weeks and one at 12 weeks. Wow. You know, those are, uh, Heidi and I have talked about it, and Heidi's had miscarriages. Those can be um, kind of not grieved. You know, it's it's interesting. Our situation is so complex because then we, you know, had failed adoptions and a successful adoption and then, you know, life-threatening pregnancies for my wife. So our whole family journey um, was, was so challenging. We had just been through so much five months before with Nicholas, Mary, and Peter dying that wow. we almost couldn't put it into context because we were down and we got kicked again. And, and so we were so determined to lift back up and keep going that we um, just kept looking ahead. Right. So we probably didn't fully mourn it as we should have. Well, and you know, our, our stories are, are different, but we have something in common in that I had infertility for years and two miscarriages. And then I went to China and adopted my daughter. And I have a son that's my biological son. I have a, I have two children now. They're seven years apart. So it was an amazing thing. I wanted my son to have a sister, you know, and or a sibling because I my siblings were so important. My brother was so important in my life. And I know you talk about how amazing adoption is. Our children come to us in many ways. And both my sister Heather and I adopted together. So we love that you have that spin too. I think one of the things for me that I also really love is that you really are a good example of how having these three babies die very young is a very significant loss. You know, people can minimize that and say, well, you didn't know them. They were little, they were just born. They never left the hospital. At least you can get pregnant. I mean, you know, more than I do all the things that people do to not validate that kind of a loss. That's right. We heard all those comments. Um, you know, at least you didn't get to know them. Um, as if to say to any mother that's carried a child that you don't know the baby inside you, you feel that connection. So my wife certainly felt that. Um, and, and, and also the, the answer to that is really, um, I, I would have done anything to get to know them for a year or two years or five years. And, and so that, that didn't offer consolation. Um, and, and I understand that those comments are well-intended and they're just looking for words to offer support at the time. So we really didn't judge and, and we and we didn't really have hard feelings about it because we just understood 
that with infant loss, there is a different perception because you're really not grieving a past, you're grieving a future where for you, you grieved both. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the past and the future with your son and brother. And, you know, there's, there's times that, you know, as our kids were born and, and grew that maybe we'd say, oh, we're thankful that, you know, it wasn't harder because it was a four-year-old or an eight-year-old. And other times saying, I would take those four or eight years. Um, because one thing that, that proved their significance to us was the fact that it made me question why in life do we always need more? You know, we want more money, more love, more relationships, more food, more everything. And why couldn't we, and more time, but why couldn't we be satisfied with the gift of life that we were given and celebrate that? Why couldn't I just leave it at what it was that for that day, we were a blessed family of five together and we experienced something on a human connectivity level and a connection that was so powerful and life-changing. Why can't I just say thank you, God, for that? Because we're and, with God and we want our family members back. What do you have to say to people who are watching this show that need to go back to work? And what's your advice to them? And what did you find in the workplace? And do you have a piece of advice for them on that? I'd say to use the personal loss um, and find blessings in it that can professionally make you stronger, better, more compassionate, more loving, more caring, um, whatever good can come from it. I, I just, I've kind of had this thought before of, you know, no good tragedy should go to waste because there's, you're, you're feeling all that hurtful emotion. I had to find something to lift me up. And professionally is, is where I saw the opportunity that I can use their life as real significance to change how I am as a leader. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to connect with my employees better. So my advice would be find ways that your new emotion and feelings you can use to connect to others better. Okay. How about when I can't match my shoes to go to the office. Hmm. Yeah, mine was, you know, couldn't get out of bed and had to go. I had a meeting to lead. Um, and, and, and my thought to that is, um, you know, wear the mismatched shoes. Um, get out of bed and, and look a little disheveled if you have to, um, just in timing to make it there, but show up. Hmm. Get there and it's okay to let the others know um, you know, this morning was a little rough. I'm here and I'm going to focus and I'm appreciative of this opportunity that I have to shift my mind. Um, and so bear with me this morning. If, if I'm a little slower getting to where you need me to be, bear with me, but I'm going to get there. Because I think that positive affirmation of number one, acknowledging it, but number two, saying, I'm going to get there. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to say I can't. I'm going to be really careful what I say out loud and what I repeat in my head. Did you find that your anxiety got even bigger and worse after the death of your children? Um, it did because I, I find that my anxiety at times is not unfounded. It's not just completely irrational. 
it's because of past experience that I realized that this could happen. I also will say that my anxiety maybe prepared me. Uh, one of the chapters in the book is called Why Not Us? Because when people were saying to us at the funeral and the uh, calling hours and after, I'm sure you're wondering why me? Susan and I were blessed to go into therapy maybe ahead of the game because we never said why me? I mean, bad things are happening to good people all the time, every day, you see it everywhere. So we never thought, why me? We really thought, why not? I'm, I shouldn't have a life exempt of the hardships that other people go through. So that alone helped my anxiety. My anxiety helped me have that thought because I'm already a warrior about a lot of things. So when something bad happened, I wasn't like, well, this is shocking. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, well, this is why you worry about things so much because <laughs> they tend to happen to you. So it sounds like Susan is a real stabilizing force for you. You picked on that up on that very quickly. Um, Susan is truly a gift. Um, she is steady and calm and loving and happy always. Um, and, and so my intensity and, and my drive is perfectly balanced um, by her. And in our younger years, um, I thought I needed to catch her up and make her a little bit more passionate and intense and um, driving. And, um, and I thought, it's okay, I'll get her there. I'll get her to where I'm at. And then I realized, oh no, I need her to get me where she's at. Um, and, and found that that's really the, the better way to go through life in a much more balanced way. So if you have one thing that you would like to say to people who have recently had a loss, what would it be? I'd say I touched on it earlier. I'd say um, fully feel everything that you're feeling, right? Fully grieve, fully talk about it. Um, push yourself to engage in the grieving um, because masking it and hiding it, I don't believe, um, is something that works well in the long term. Situationally, it might work, but long term, I don't believe that it does. But in addition to that, what I would say is that look for the blessings that are around you in the dark time. Look for those hands that are reaching out to you, the kindness that's extended to you, the meals that are made, the thoughtfulness, um, the, the ways that you're looking at life differently, the ways that you see something beautiful in someone that you didn't notice before. I think so many blessings can come out of our darkest moments that really clear our mind and create a path ahead for a healthier way to move going forward. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being on our show and tell people where they can find you and where they can get your book. And So my book's available on Amazon or any places that books are sold um, online. My website is johnnyserpilla.com. Maybe that's a little harder for spelling. So we'll go with encourage33.com, the word encourage, the number 33.com, uh, both of the same site. And uh, you can find you know more about uh, other work that I've done and speaking and such. Awesome. We'll get his book, Life is Hard, but be okay. Thank you so much for being on the show, Johnny, and for all the good works you do in the world. Thanks for being so kind to me and welcoming me on. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. And thank you for reminding us that life is hard, but we are going to be okay. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this show today. 
And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Johnny, always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.